despite the 32 years I professed to know him, did I, didn't I, it's irrelevant. He had me in the palm of his hand from the foundations of the earth. And he knew that day at 32 years old, I would face my darkness. Hey there, I'm Victoria, a certified Christian life coach, author, motivational speaker, and university educator, and I am obsessed with helping you navigate through life's ups and downs so that you can live day by day in God's peace despite the many external demands on your time and energy. The Choose to Think Inspirational podcast is about the delicate dance between God transforming you from the inside out and your personal responsibility for change, maturity, and refinement as a Christ follower. On the show, I'll help you connect the between your faith and your life in practical, meaningful ways while giving God room to do what only He can do and so that you can shine your light for Christ and be better equipped to serve your family and help others around you. You can change every area of your life one thought at a time. Welcome back to the Choose to Think Inspirational Podcast Brain Changer. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Choose to Think Inspirational Podcast. I just finished the chat with Kelly Daruk. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, but I told her as we were ending, I said, oh my gosh, I just feel so full. I just want to kind of take a deep, deep breath. Like, you know, you feel after Thanksgiving meal, you're just so full and you're like, oh, in a good way though. And that's the way I felt after chatting with her. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Callie Daruk is a grateful and smitten wife, a hands-on mother of three spirited boys and a recovering Pharisee. She says she was exposed for the hypocrite that she was at the premature birth of her twin sons. The story that she's going to share as in our chat. After nearly a year-long stay in the NICU with one of her twins, her rose-colored glasses were shattered. She is dedicated to reaching out to the countless women and men who profess Christianity, but as she did, draw near to God with their mouths only while their hearts are far from him. I want to also share her professional bio, although you're going to notice that she is so humble. She is all about the Lord. It's let's talk more about God and what he does than anything I could ever do. She's so sweet and tender and real and authentic in her approach, in her mannerisms. Her words are powerful also. During the interview, I said, you're just like a poet because she paints word pictures that are so engaging. As she tells her story, she offers a few cliffhangers, so to speak, and you just want to hear more and more and more about how God revealed himself to her. Hallie is an award-winning author and speaker who encourages you to seek Christ with your whole heart. Her book, What Does God Want You to Do Before You Die, appeared a couple of years ago with Crosslink Publishing. She serves as the chapter president of Word Weavers International of Robertson County, and her writing has appeared in Guideposts. So we are kind of kindred spirits in that way. I continue to write devotionals for Guideposts, as you know, many of you may know. And she's written for them, The Upper Room, Focus on the Family, Kids Clubhouse, Charisma, Just 18 Summers, and Nashville Christian Voice Magazines. And really this part right now that I'm sharing with you is completely unscripted, but there are so many takeaways from our chat today. You are going to be so encouraged, especially, especially if you are a woman right now who 
is stuck in a really dark place, if you are discouraged, if you feel a little less than, if you are anxious or fearful, if you just really don't know how to cope, Callie is going to offer you practical applications of your faith. She's going to talk about two in particular, two ways that she connects the dots between her profession of her, her faith for her beliefs and then her life itself. In other words, how do you connect the dots between the two? She's going to share exactly how she does that. And you're going to want to stay tuned to the very end as you hear this saga, this her experience of a drastic transformation in her life and how she now asks God for this unquenchable thirst and desperation really to continue to seek her daily and that has been going on she said at one point 29 journals later so even that's compelling in and of itself so she's going to help you kind of give you that kind of she's going to shine the light in the dark for you and show you that you are not alone god is there for you your suffering has purpose your trials your tribulations are not without a reward without character refinement without allowing you really to grow closer to the lord so it's worth it and she's going to tell you all about that you don't want to miss her story so without further ado well callie it's so good to finally get to see you in person kind of in person to see your darling face and just to say hi to you and so welcome to the choose to think podcast I am so delighted to be here, Victoria. It's been a long time coming. It has, way too long. So everyone already knows how we kind of met and they know a little bit about you. But if you don't mind, Kelly, just can you go back even maybe from your childhood and just give us a little snapshot of who you are? I usually always start that question by saying that I, well, I have a lot of roles that I have the privilege of, of serving in. Uh, first and foremost, the greatest one is a servant of Christ. Um, but I have to say, it wasn't always that way. And the irony of that is, I grew up in the church. Um, I did not grow up in a Christian home, per se, as a little girl. In fact, my grandmother, my precious great praying grandmother, mm. took me to church with her. For the bulk of my early years, I professed to know Christ. But as will happen in life, the rug of life will get jerked from underneath us and the rose colored glasses will fall off at some point. And when that happened in my life at about 32 years of age, those professions were exposed and the foundation that I thought I had was put to the test. And God radically changed my heart in such a beautiful, profound way. And he exposed that I had drawn near him with my mouth only, but never my heart. So all of that to say, uh, though those foundational truths were taught to me as a young girl, when life hit, my foundation was really exposed. But God is so merciful to keep his own and to keep us through those trials that we go through. So I'm very honored to say that now I know him. I don't just know about him. I know him. He has my whole heart. And I, that is a continual prayer. You know, God, 
expose in me the places that I've not surrendered it, that I've not yielded. But it is my daily endeavor to give him my whole heart and to reach out and speak and write or whatever God leads to encourage others to do the same because I've not been the same since. Mm. Can you open that up a little bit, Callie, that moment? What happened actually in your life that brought you from point A to point B, so to speak? What was that like? I wish I could package it in a beautiful wrapped pretty bow, but unfortunately I can't. It's, it's very ugly. It's dark. It's painful as, as many of our stories are. I would say the catalyst was 15 years ago, my family and I, uh, well, we had my husband and I, we had one son, Elijah. He was uh, about 18 months old and I was pregnant with twin boys and I went into preterm labor two and a half months early and I'd had a great pregnancy. Everything was going well, but all of a sudden in the middle of the night, my water broke and I was rushed to the hospital. And despite efforts to keep the babies in utero, that didn't, didn't happen. The babies were born micro preemies and to make a very, very long story short, the synopsis would be that the babies ended up, one son, Joshua, ended up spending two and a half months in the NICU, and Isaiah ended up spending his first 324 consecutive days of life in the hospital. He was at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital here in Nashville for the first seven months of his life. And he developed a deadly disease at eight weeks of age called necrotizing enterocolitis. And it resulted in the loss of much of his small intestines and some of his large. He was then, after about seven months at in, in the NICU at Vanderbilt, due to this condition that he had, he continued to have setback after setback after setback. He went into liver failure. And we were told by the head of neonatology your son is dying. He's in liver failure. There's nothing more we can do. We need you to get anyone you want to see him and say goodbye. And so at the seven month point, we had Isaiah dying in the NICU. We had his twin brother who'd also had a surgery with a feeding tube and he was home with special needs and a just under a two-year-old son. So it was a very, very trying time in our lives. Um, and what one beautiful miracle that happened was the night that we found out Isaiah was dying. If it's not your will for me to have this son here on this earth, and I pray you give me the peace to, to handle that. So I went to church. While I was at church, I came home. My husband was standing at the back door smiling, and I hadn't seen him smile in seven months. And he said, Callie, you're not going to believe what happened while you were at church. He had gotten an email from a nurse practitioner at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital who said off the record, if you tell anyone I told you this information, I'll lose my entire medical career. But I happen to know of an experimental drug in the clinical trials, not FDA approved, uh, of a drug that in Boston, Massachusetts, at their children's hospital, 87 of the 89 babies, it has completely reversed their liver failure. Mm. 
And she said, I could not live with myself if I didn't tell you this. And the beauty was this was another Christian woman that God had put in our path. And she would pray with us over our sons. She was just a godly woman. So no doubt the Lord planted her in our lives for such a time as that. So the next morning, my husband got this email and he began to do research into the drug and the doctor in the hospital and sent an email to him with all of our son's information, his condition. So he hit sand, continued to do his work and headed down the stairs. And when he got to the bottom of the stairs, his cell phone rang and he answers. And on the other line was Dr. Mark Pewter from Boston Children's Hospital. And he said, is this Frank Daruk? And my husband said, yes. And he said, well, I'm Dr. Mark Pewter from Boston Children's Hospital. And I just got your email. And his exact words to my husband were, I'm not God, but I believe I can save your son's life. And by God's grace, we just, well, we dropped to our knees and we praised God. And by God's grace, we went to the doctor, the, the head of neonatology the next morning and told him, how we discovered this information, not how we discovered, but that we had discovered, excuse me. And he said, as a clinician, I have no hope in this medicine, but as a father, would I do what you're about to do? And he said, yes. So Isaiah, one week later was life flighted to Boston Children's Hospital. He spent another four months in the, in the hospital. He came home just short of his first year 13 surgeries, five years of rehabilitation, a lifelong condition. And that's just skimming the surface of the story uh, into the beautiful miracle that God performed. And I'll pause, but I want to preface to say that's actually when all hell began to break loose in, our, in my heart at, the, at that beautiful moment that we had this beautiful miracle. That's a lot to take in and how you've even left it at that thinking, okay, now all hell is just beginning to break loose. Now, first of all, I marvel at God's hand of provision in this story and how you and your husband, by all appearance, Callie, it seemed like you were so hooked into God, so hooked into the Lord. The minute you got the news that you could take your son to another physician for this trial drug, even you dropped to the, your knees in praise to the Lord. So help us understand what could go, be going on right now. How did, how did all of this keep evolving? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, because I, I would say, Certainly there was authenticity in my heart, in my searching for God's intervention and his peace in handling all of that. Uh, certainly that was, that was authentic, but the, the trials that, that followed ultimately proved the condition of my heart. And what I mean by that is I would like to be able to say to you, Victoria, and to any who hear this story that from that point on, we had our miracle and we just went on to live happily ever after. And we could put this big fat exclamation point at the end of that statement, but a dark dash is what stood in the, in the way. Because the reality is I had 
a son who I had been told would have lifelong permanent special needs. And what I mean by that is Isaiah came home with a condition known as short gut syndrome. And to just be transparent, all he was and even is capable of was diarrhea because the bulk of his intestines had been cut away. That was the majority of his surgeries due to his condition. So I had a highly special needs baby who was hooked up to IV infusions, pick lines, central lines, feeding therapy, occupational therapy, um, I mean, all kinds of therapies. This was a five-year period of rehabilitation. He didn't walk for an extended period of time, talk for an extended period of time. He didn't eat by mouth for quite some time. And all the while that this was happening, I had his twin brother who also had a feeding tube and he was beginning to improve. He was much in much better health than his twin brother, of course. But then I had a two-year-old at the time. I had this dream of being this perfect Christian mama who had it all together. And in the best of circumstances as a mother, we, we are exposed for how many shortcomings we have when these children suddenly need you and everything they have is dependent upon you. For me, that exposed my selfishness, my complacency, my how much I love to be comfortable. But when you throw those extenuating circumstances, the trauma of the shattered expectations, I, it's not published yet, but that was the theme of my memoir, Shattered Expectations. And there I was left to take care of three boys, three very young boys, two special needs, one highly special needs, and dealing with the trauma of the last year of our life and all those shattered expectations. So that's when the bitterness began to grow in my heart, Victoria. One of the triggers was Isaiah's stool because you we all know when you have a stomach bug and your your tummy is upset it's not pleasant it doesn't smell pleasant and those smells would trigger rage and anger that I didn't even know lurked inside of me my family began to notice that I wasn't well that I wasn't doing okay and those closest to me but, you know, I continued to walk in the church and put on the face and pretend that all was well. But all the while I was imploding and I was eventually diagnosed with PTSD by PTSD by three different doctors. So I was struggling. I was struggling. But there was a part of me that as a Christian woman, um, I wasn't supposed to be struggling. So my pride was standing in the way of healing and submission, just acknowledging that I'm not okay. So I, I ultimately went down a path of allowing the anger and the, the, the trauma and the frustration and the disappointment and the shattered expectations 
to take me down a, ro a road that I wish that I had never went down. Um, I began to say things I never thought I would say, think things I never thought I would think, do things I never thought I would do. I pulled away from everyone and anyone I knew. I put up a wall that was like Fort Knox around my heart to everyone, you know, but God is faithful to chasten those he loves. And he began to expose me and chip away at that wall. And I would say I never gave up on God, Victoria, but I grew just so bitter towards everyone else. And, and quite frankly, women in the church were so frustrating to me because it was so superficial that they would pass me in the hallway and say, you know, well, how are you? And they'd be down the hall before I could turn around and give them my response. And, and I thought, first, I'm not sure you actually care. But secondly, if I had told you, I don't know if you'd know how to handle it because I'm not okay. But I just couldn't say those words. I couldn't say those words. Callie, this is so kind of just heart-wrenching and I'm hanging on every word that you're saying, partly because I don't know if anyone's ever, ever told you this, but the way you verbally express is almost poetic in a way. And you paint these word pictures, you know, like instead of the exclamation point, you had a dark dash, just these little word pictures that are so striking. I can relate also to so much of what you're saying. And, and I feel like I just want to go cry or something because I have, I remember the days when I was also caught in despair and agony and hypocrisy. And yeah, I'll talk about Fort Knox around my heart. Same thing. I pushed away those people in my life who really could have been lifelines of support and help. But I too was just imploding. You know, it took a lot of tragedy personally in my life for me to come to know God in a way that I had never known him before. So now, like you, we can look back and we can say, okay, that was a, a pivotal moment in my life where God revealed himself in a new way and took me kind of under his wing in a new season of healing and health. But what you say about even keeping it all in and not really allowing the, you know, the vulnerability that you've so freely expressed and generously expressed here with us today you know, before that might not have been really possible because you were just kind of holding that in. What helped you the most during that time? Would you say, was there something that happened that helped you to kind of turn a corner and recognize that, okay, I know I'm not okay. I've sought medical advice and counsel. I know I need some help here, but was there something else that helped you to really kind of feel like, wow, my eyes are now open to things I didn't know before? Absolutely, Toria. And when I could not help myself, God sends his servants. Hmm. And, and when I say I couldn't help myself, I had been given medication by all of these doctors 
and not to discuss or get into the topic of medication, but this is where the stubbornness of my heart and pride was at the time. I had those pills in the drawer of my nightstand and every night I would open my drawer and look at them and slam it shut and say, you shouldn't need these. Mm. I couldn't even help myself think clearly in the moment of the pain and the trauma and the guilt and the shame and all that came. So God sent a precious friend to me and she had shared with me that she'd had a dream about me and my family. And I was still so in a dark place that even those words didn't necessarily stop me perhaps give me pause for a moment, but there came a day, Victoria, where the bottom just fell out. My heart was exposed for what it was, and it was the single-handed, single-handedly the darkest day of my life. I will say that in that moment where I had nothing left, nothing left, and all could have been lost. I reached the phone, called my friend, and just felt overwhelmingly in that moment of despair, uh, because actually my husband had to um, put our three children in our van and he pulled away. And I didn't know if that was pulling away forever or just pulling away for the moment. But mm -hmm. there in the silence of my bedroom, it was absolute terror that gripped my heart. This feeling of, of who am I? What have I done? Oh God. So I picked up the phone and I called my friend and I said, I need to know what you saw and I need to know right now. And she went on to speak mm -hmm. of this dream that had affected each one of our family members. And she spoke in detail of what she had seen. But when she got to me, she went on to say what she had seen. And she said, Callie, I saw you in my dream as an old woman alone in an apartment in a rocking chair with a sign above your head that said, herein sits the loneliest woman that ever lived. And I knew that that had happened to you in this dream. I knew it was because you had drawn near to God with your mouth only and never your heart. And Victoria, loneliness had been a plague that had been the shadow of my life since I can remember. And so that dream gripped me in the most profound way, but the words that followed it, that I had drawn near to God with my mouth only and never my heart. I knew, I knew when she finished uttering them, that was exactly, that was exactly the condition of my heart. And I said, I have to go. I hung up the phone. I laid on my floor at 32 years of age and laid on my face before a mighty, holy, gracious God. And I wept 
and I groaned and I was face to face with the darkness of Callie Daruk's heart. And I had never been that. And there on that floor, as cliche as it may sound to some, Christ met me. Despite the 32 years I professed to know him, did I, didn't I, it's irrelevant. He had me in the palm of his hand from the foundations of the earth. And he knew that day at 32 years old, I would face my darkness and my need for him because I intellectually understood I need Jesus. Mm -hmm. I understood scripture and who Jesus was, but I had not met the man, the healer, the savior until I was face to face with my own darkness and who mm. I'd become and what I had done. Mm, that is so powerful, Callie. My goodness, there you are on the floor. And, you know, as, as you're speaking and I'm taking this in and reflecting and applying so much of what you described to my own life in so many ways, I'm sure there's a listener there who can also relate and is just hanging on the edge of her chair saying, okay, what happened next? Very good question. There's a beautiful, tangible thing that happened next, but then I want to go into more of the spiritual aspect of that. So as I was laying there on the floor, it was Valentine's day of 2011. 214 2011. Mm. As I'm lying there on the floor, weeping uncontrollably, I hear the garage door lift and I hear little pitter patters of feet because my sons were very young at the time. The bedroom door opens and there's no hiding that mess. And that was the whole point. No more hiding. No more pretense, no more hypocrisy, no more drawing near with your mouth only and never your heart. So as those precious young little boys come walking in that bedroom, it's Valentine's Day and they are single file and in each, in each hand, they come to me with a white single rose and say, happy Valentine's Day, mommy. That white rose, those three children were Jesus Christ. My husband walking in that room that day, that embodied the mercy, the grace, and the forgiveness that I didn't deserve from any of them. I got up off of that floor, honestly terrified because I didn't know how to do this life right. any other way. Right. This is what I had become. This is what, this is what I had done. This is how do I do it any differently? How do I give you my whole heart? And as a little girl, I've always loved words. I have been a word nerd. When it's stationary back to school time, I'm a kid in a candy store. (laughs) So I grabbed a journal and A few days later, I wrote in my journal, oh, dear God, not dear journal, dear diary, but oh, dear God, I want to give you my whole heart, but Mm. I don't know. In his 
amazing faithfulness, I opened my Bible, which had grown dusty, Victoria. Mm -hmm. It had grown so dusty. I opened up and wouldn't you know, he would turn me right to Matthew 23, where he says, Jesus is speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says, woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and you make it appear beautiful before men, but inside is filth and hypocrisy and dead men's bones. This people draw near me with their mouth only while their hearts are far from me. He confirmed in his word to his daughter what that woman had seen. And so that's when I grabbed the journal and began to ask him, how do I do this? And I am delighted to say that here I sit before you, Victoria, 12 years later, 29 journals later, wow. I'm still writing, dear God, I'm waking in the morning and seeking him and my prayer that day was God, let this feeling, we don't go by feelings, we go by truth, but I did ask him, would you let this feeling never leave me of desperation, mm -hmm. of hunger, of thirst, that if I don't have you, I have nothing. And if I don't give you my whole heart, I'm giving you nothing. Let this never leave me. And he has honored that prayer. Well, Kelly, you leave me speechless over and again. I knew there was a reason I should not wear mascara today. I knew it. I told Jim I was in the in that my husband I'm in the bathroom there. I'm like, oh, I hate wearing mascara. But I always think I need to wear mascara when I do an interview. And I'm like, oh, generally I don't really get really teary. But uh, my goodness, I, you know, I'm in awe, really. Actually, quite frankly, I, you know, I we've known each other and had our relationship kind of in a business-ish way. And I've known a little bit about you. I peeked inside your book, which I do want to talk about in a moment, but I've not known these things about you. And I so appreciate how you've graciously shared the, the power of God's word in your life, the power of prayer in your life, and the power of God's presence in your life. One of the things that I love to do on the show, and I always try to bring it back to this in a way because I really try in my life. And one of the things I ask the Lord is help me connect the dots between my faith and the practical application of my faith. So when you were asking questions like, show me how, I don't know how to draw near to you, you know, and, and give you my whole heart. I wonder, did the Lord show you anything practical in that, Callie? Certainly, the, the there's a practical element on 29 journals later. 
good grief, that's a lot of journals. That's a lot of writing. That's a lot of outpouring. And there are so many benefits to actually journaling our prayers or talking to God, using your hand, you know, the whole brain science, all of that. It's being expressive like that is so healthy and life-giving in and of itself. So that's something very practical that I, that obviously you did do that you shared, but can you think of anything else that that if someone, for example, is listening and saying, yeah, I don't know how to do that either. I want to give the Lord my whole heart. I want to be wholly submitted to him and surrender to him. I want his will to be done in my life, not my own, but his. I want to pull off all the layers of you know appearances. I want those gone. I just want to be God's child, and I want to reflect his glory, be salt in life, serve others. We want that, but how do we do that? That is the question. It was the question of my heart, and I think it's the question of so many who are going to watch this and who are hurting. For me, the importance was to know him not know about him, not know of him. And I am a learner and a studier with the best of them. And I love to have debates with people about things and talk through topics. But it was important for me initially to take that journal and his word and nothing else Mm -hmm. but that no self-help book in the moment, no uh, study guide in the moment, just opening his word and asking him, who are you? And so I began to in the Psalms and Psalm 119 in particular was profound to me. Psalm 139 verse 23 and 24 is my heart's cry and my motto. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. One verse, I would take it one verse at a time and Ask him for insight and understanding and knowledge and discernment Mm -hmm. and really ask, how can I apply this to my life? And many times I would take that verse and that would be my prayer. Lord, will you search me? Will you know my heart? Will you try me? Is there any wicked way in me? Will you lead me in the way everlasting? And if one verse is all I could truly know and understand and apply, that may be the one that I stay on for a month because that word is living and powerful. And it's better to have one and know it and get it and live it and it be authentic than to say I read a whole book this morning. And so it would be that type of finding those treasures. Examine me and prove me, oh God, try my reins and my heart. Mm -hmm. And then adding that verse to the other verse. And Psalm 119, there's a beautiful verse that says, open thou mine eyes and show me wondrous things that I know not. And so then when I would begin to open God's word, that would be my preface. Lord, as I open your word today, will you open my eyes and show me 
things I don't know. And so I would just begin to take his word and ask him, pray and take those verses and ask him to bring me more insight and knowledge upon knowledge, precept upon precept, line upon line. I felt like a computer that had been completely wiped clean. Wow. To just erase my presuppositions, my presumptions, and find out who he is. And so that just grew and the journals grew. And then it became, Lord, greater than the tragedy of going through tragedy is to go through it and do nothing with it. Mm. And that's when the calling to write grew and the calling to speak and to share. Because if the truth be told, Victoria, I'd rather tuck myself away (laughs) and write to my heart is content. But these are not the days that we have that luxury, Mm. that they're just not. And, and I ask myself now, Lord, what is my duty in this present crisis? And I, that is a beautiful quote from my favorite author and minister, Charles Spurgeon. What is my duty in this present crisis? Because we all have. I wonder, Callie, if your husband noticed changes or your friends, your family members, do you remember a moment when they began to look at you differently? Most of the few people that I hadn't just pushed away Mm -hmm. because the reality is I'd push most of them away. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't let them get in. But for those few that stuck around and they were faithful, they definitely would tell you, I think, hands down, who is this woman? Mm-hmm. She is not who she was. Mm-hmm. And every ounce, every ounce of credit for that goes to Christ alone. He met me on that floor. He picked me up off of that floor. He traded my shame and my ashes for beauty, and it is a fight every day to make sure that is what pervades my heart and mind and thoughts. And that's what I love about your ministry, Victoria. Choose to think. We can choose. It's hard. It's hard to undo those recordings that 32 years had given me. And I'm now, I'll be 45 this year. But it is a daily, um, it's a daily acknowledgement of the desperate need of Christ. And it's that daily reprogramming. That's why, just like drinking water, Mm -hmm. you have to refill and refill and refill. So it is with spiritual water of God's word and the renewing of our minds and our thoughts. I appreciate that reminder, Callie, because sometimes I... You know, the enemy would love to say things to me, does say things to me sometimes like, Victoria, you're in the choose to think business. That's what you've made your your ministry to be, yet you're not practicing that sometimes or you're, you know, essentially I agree with him sometimes or I get off track, but it's refreshing to know and my dear mentor encourages me. I've had this mentor for over two decades. I just love her dearly. She's about 10 years older than I am. And 
has been one of those in and out, I mean, through thick and thin kind of people in my life. And she's really my hero in so many ways. And she's been such a blessing to me and my family. But we never really arrive. I think part of what you were saying is that it's a daily battle, though God makes us new creatures. And though we are yoked to him and we're doing life with him, we still have to armor up. We have to put on the full armor. We have to recognize that he's on the throne of our hearts and that he is the the pilot here we're kind of writing co-pilot but even still we're going to be met with trials difficulties situations anyway i can give myself a hard time all that i'm trying to say is i can really give myself a hard time for those moments that i'm not taking my thoughts captive those times when i let my emotions get the best of me those times when I say things that I'm like, who just said that? Was Did I just say that? Did those words come out of my mouth? But I'm learning as I get older that this refinement process, this perseverance, this re refining and polishing of my character is lifelong, really. And sometimes we get in new situations which reveal new kind of ickiness that may be residual or maybe kind of hanging around in our hearts. So instead of agreeing with the enemy and like, oh my gosh, I should be ashamed. I shouldn't even be podcasting. I shouldn't even be writing. What, what right do I have to do this? Mm -hmm. Instead of agreeing with the enemy, I push back and I'm, I'm like, no, Lord, thank you for showing me that I have this element of anger in my heart that I haven't dealt with in a while or that I didn't even know was there, or I have, there's something that you're trying to teach me in all of this. So now I can, not that I'm delighted in, in that, but I do delight knowing that the Lord is teaching me something. He's refining me. He's growing me. He's polishing me. And I want to be more like him. I hunger to be salt and light. I want to draw others to Christ, not repel them through my words and through my actions, but I'm not perfect, but not being perfect. He is, and he's just going to continue to mold me and shape me. And that's not going to keep me from proclaiming his truth because it's about him. I'm an imperfect vessel, uh, but he is perfect and it's about him, not me. And he gets the spotlight, not me. I'm going to do the best I can, but I'm not going to cower away. I think this is what I'm saying. I'm not going to cower away or back down because of my own insecurities and fears and missteps. No, I'm going to continue to ask God to transform me, to help me, to change me, to mold me more and more and more into his image, less of me, more of him. And that kind of gives me a little bit of a, okay, it's okay. Even when I goof, does that make sense? Perfect sense. And I would love to offer a word of encouragement mm -hmm. to Thank you and to anyone who is watching along those lines, because the soldiers who are on the battlefield are the ones who are taking the hits. And we are a continual 
work in progress. I cannot tell you how many times the enemy has tried to silence me, to stop my pen from writing. And he succeeded. God forbid that he should take the victory in that. I, I cannot allow it because God gets, where does he get more glory in my perfections and my having it all together or in my complete and utter weakness and to speak, to interview, to write in spite of those he, he says his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Therefore, we can boast all the more in it. So that's what you and I are doing right now. We're taking a moment to boast in those weaknesses because that's when his strength is made perfect. And the day that I learned that my walk with Christ was not this mountaintop experience, but it's linear transformed the way I think, because I, I was going along thinking that there would be this point I'm climbing and I'm falling down and I'm getting dust in my eyes and I'm, I'm tired, but I'm going to get to the top of that mountain. But the reality is that was absolutely, well, just life-changing from there, as you continue to seek the Lord day in and day out. And as you really just asked him who he is, trying to find out who your mission became, I want to know God. And as you did that day in and day out, you've grown exponentially in your faith, in your adoration and love for the Lord, I'm assuming. It doesn't mean necessarily that there won't be hard times from that point on. I love how you say, you know, this is kind of linear or maybe it's up and down, up and down, up and down. There really is no arrival point. And that's a, that's such a good reminder because sometimes we think, oh, if I can just get to be this Sally super Christian, then I'm going to have it made. But I don't think that really exists either. I think it's a, it's a daily grind and we do get to choose our thoughts. Our thoughts are so incredibly important. It's it's a mystery in a way because God does the healing. He does the transformative work, but yet we are also responsible to think about what we're thinking about and to take those thoughts captive and to, you know, he gives us commands to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He puts them grammatically in ways that tell us, okay, I have to really take responsibility and do that. And that's what you're, you've done, but yet coupled with that, you've had the cry of your heart that is to simply know him more and allow him to show up in your life, asking him for his presence and his mysteries to be revealed. And though it's come by such hardship and trial, it's, it's a very special place to be with the Lord actually. And that you ask him to continually do that and to continually give you that hunger is because there is a reward there for you. I'm, I'm assuming, do I have that right? There's something so deeply rewarding in your dependence upon the Lord. I am so thankful mm -hmm. for this place. Yeah, it is. It is a hard place. It's, it's through great pain and great adversity, and it is still hard, mm. but I would not trade everything I've ever, I would do it all over again 
to know him. Mm. And I often tell women this uh, or men, most structures look pretty sturdy on the outside, but you let a storm of epic proportion come along Mm. and break those walls down. That's when it is exposed. That's when its foundation is revealed and exposed for what it is. Mm -hmm. And I must also say it is a mercy that God exposes us. It is a mercy, not God, why would you do that? He loves his children and he will expose us when our children do something that is wrong and it's dark. It needs to be brought into the light. That's how we, we show them that we love them, that this is unacceptable. My behavior was unacceptable and he loved me enough to show me that. Mm. And I praise him for that. Mm. And when you said that a moment ago about our responsibility of taking those thoughts captive and just the grind, the daily grind of saying in his word, not only is it a responsibility and a privilege, but it is a duty and it is where we are tested and proven. Mm -hmm. Those are two scary words, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, to be weighed and measured as women. I I know I, for one, I don't like to be weighed, (laughs) (laughs) but we will be weighed and Mm -hmm. measured will be, we be found wanting. And mm. I am a very serious, intense person. People who know me know that very quickly. I don't do small talk well. I go straight to the heart of the matter, largely because of this story, because I now know by his grace and his spirit, giving wisdom and insight of how important the heart is, that mm. the heart of the matter is the heart of the matter. And it's always been the heart of the matter. And it will always be the heart of the matter. And on a practical note, one of the things that I have fallen deeply in love with, in addition to uh, Jesus wholeheartedly is old writings. Mm. Um, He began to show me some of these beautiful ministers Our fathers in the faith, particularly Charles Spurgeon, I have fallen in love with him and his depth of character and the, the, the Puritans. I have a prayer book called the Valley of Vision, and there's beautiful prayers in that. So after I had my journal and that grew to with God's word, that grew into a Strong's dictionary. And I began to look into the Hebrew and Greek meanings of words. And that grew into just an old regular dictionary. And that kind of expanded into some of these older teachings and writings um, that they had a depth. I think I was drawn to them because of the adversity that they experienced. And I didn't necessarily find that in today. I, Mm. I didn't find a connection with someone who went through such hardships as I did. That's not to say mine were exclusive. They certainly weren't. Many of us endure these deep, hard things. But when I began to see that theme in scripture, that God chose people who failed miserably, Mm -hmm. who made a wreck of their circumstances in life, that's who he chose. 
that was so beautiful for me to see because I knew I too was, I was hurt mm-hmm. and that he would use them. It gave me so much hope that he might just maybe in spite of this could still allow me to be a vessel of honor. Mm-hmm. It's so humbling. It is humbling. And you are just so dear, so precious, really and truly. You really are. And for for just a moment, could you tell us about your book? What does God want yes. you to do yes. before you die? Tell us about that book. Yeah. So in the so in the beginning of the book, it gives all the background as to why in the world, what is this question about? Certainly it's a gripping question. Mm-hmm. And but as you know now from my story. I was thrust into a situation, a life and death situation with my child. And a lot of times people ask me, well, you seem young to write a book like that. Um, But the reality is none of us are promised tomorrow. And and you are told, get anyone you ever want to see your child and say goodbye. Suddenly this matter of life and death becomes very real Mm -hmm. and especially when a baby is involved, the expectation is that their whole life is ahead of them. And so that gets you thinking, wait a minute, my whole life, you think you have all of these years. And so ultimately the book is is a 30-day devotion book that goes into some very serious, deep, heartfelt, get to the straight to the heart of the matter type of topics about what are we doing with our lives? And sometimes, again, we have this expectation, especially as women in Christian Christian, um, media and ministry, that this point of arrival might be standing on a stage in front of a thousand women or writing 20 books. It may be changing your baby's diaper or wiping up the bathroom floor it may be ministering to the cashier at, at the grocery store. It is what is at your hand to do and are you doing it? So it's really a call to action to just begin to ask some of these questions about what is my duty? What is my calling? Am I am I? doing what you've called me to do, Lord. It may be ministering to our husbands or men to our wives. It it may be what some see as such a simple, insignificant thing, but it is not simple. It is not insignificant. Mm, so good. So powerful. And before you tell us how everyone can get in touch with you, will you kind of catch us up on on your boys and your family today. How's everybody doing? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. My husband and I on the 18th of this month are going to celebrate 23 years of marriage. (laughs) Single-handedly by God's grace, because this has taken a toll Mm. beyond belief, Mm. but God has kept his um and I praise him for that. My oldest son Elijah is 16 mm-hmm. and my twin wow. boys Joshua and Isaiah are 15 years old. And Isaiah does deal with a condition called short gut syndrome uh where he has 
uh, again, lost so much of his small and large intestines mm-hmm. that absor- absorbing vitamins and nutrients from food um, are mm-hmm. challenging. Um, he deals with things um, as a result of uh, just different challenges and trials that that he that he and I he and I and the Lord know about as a result of all that he's been through. But the majority of people would look at him and never know what this young man has gone through. He defied every odd. Mm-hmm. He his the hand, the blessing of the Lord is upon him and our children and our family. And I I highlight that phrase, the blessing of the Lord. And that came from Ezekiel. It was a beautiful passage the Lord recently showed me where um, destruction was headed for Israel. And the Mm -hmm. statement was made, but you didn't say the blessing of the Lord be upon you. Mm -hmm. And so now that's been a beautiful thing that I've said to so many, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. So I have to say, all I can say is that the blessing of the Lord has been upon the Daruk family. Mm-hmm. And I praise him for that. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear all of that. What an amazing and beautiful testimony, Callie. That's just so, mm-hmm. so lovely in so many ways. So tell everyone where they can reach out to you if they'd like to or get your book. The book, What Does God Want You to Do Before You Die, is available on Amazon and many other major retailers. And my website is just my name, CallieDaruk.com, C-A-L-L-I-E-D-A-R-U-K.com. And it would be a delight if you hear this and you are hurting or you feel like, how could God ever use me? I'm too young. I'm too old. I've done this. I've done that. How could he help me? Please reach out because if he can help me, and we hear this so many times, but people say this for a reason. If he can help this wretch, he can help anyone. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you so much, Callie, for coming on the show. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you for having me. It was an honor. And that's a wrap, Brain Changer. And listen, if you like what you hear, would you leave us a one to two sentence review at Apple Podcasts, share the link with a friend, or tag me on your share on social media? It would mean the world to me and would help us to keep shining the light of Christ and sharing the good news to others who are in need of encouragement. Please visit us on our website at choosetothink.co. That's with the number two, choosetothink.co, to get on our monthly newsletter list. And if you need a guest speaker for your next women's retreat or church event, I'm your gal. Email me at choose to think at gmail.com. And that's with the number two, choose to think at gmail.com. Finally, I offer limited free mentoring sessions each month where you and I can chat to help you develop a strategy for your thoughts in any area of your life. I'm a certified life coach and I have something to share. Visit choose to think.co and click on mentoring for more details. Also, keep in mind that the messages on this show are for informational and educational purposes only. Please consult your medical doctor for all medical issues. Thank you again for tuning in. God bless you.